All right, welcome everybody to the uh, second episode of the 6 a.m. podcast. I am your co-host, Jeff Beck. Jeff Galino. He's our other co-host. And we wanted to say to you guys, from our first, the listeners of our first episode, we were blown away by how many of you actually listened to this shit and had a positive comment or a positive thing to say. And it just, it really warmed my heart. I thought it was awesome, guys. So thank yeah. you. Oh, Jeff, you know today's a milestone, right? In, in what way is it a milestone? We have grown our listenership by 100%. <laughs> we really have. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so shout out to everybody who tuned in. We do appreciate it. Yeah. And, uh we hope to uh, continue to not disappoint. Yeah, we will have to. We definitely have to mention that everybody that listened and participated, you guys are now part of the six a.m. crew. Whether you train with us in the morning, or you're a listener, or you're a commenter, and we're saying as we get through these episodes, um, we'd really love to hear your feedback. Um, we'd love to, for you guys to send us questions, ideas, things like that. Um, like I said to, in our last episode, we have. We have a lot of exciting things coming up that, uh, that we'll, and guests that we're bringing on to gain new perspectives on some of the topics that we're talking about. And uh, also, I should mention, I don't know uh, if Mr. Galino here knows this or not, but we got our first sponsor. Did what? You know? yeah, no. we, yeah, this show's actually sponsored. It's sponsored by self-loathing. Self-loathing. When everything is going great, but you really need a kick in the nuts. <laughs> Self-loathing's available everywhere. Right? And that's what kind of what our episode's that's about great. here on uh, episode two. Why don't yeah. you talk a little bit about uh, the title of this episode? And I dominating will. Dominating Your Space and where this comes from. Yeah, so Dominating Your Space. Before I do, I just want to say um, everything that Jeff said is absolutely accurate. Uh, minus the fact you are part of the 6 a.m. crew. However, you don't earn your patch till you come in for a morning class. <laughs> that's right. You get a patch. Now, <laughs> Louis Rosa might be the closest to an evening timer that... Almost earned a patch. That's right. We were shutting down, and uh, we were waiting for someone to finish up uh, finish up their shower, and uh, he came in for a private, but it was just, I mean, we were walking out. Yeah, so unfortunately, we just can't. We wanted to give it to you, Lewis, but there's just, yeah, there's some standards we have, we have to keep. We have to follow the rules, I think. So. It's really important. Maybe next time. <laughs> so dominating your space. Yeah, let's talk about this. So dominating your space. What does yeah. this mean? What are I'm we excited about? about this, Jeff. Okay. Um, so it came about... Um, the, the mental picture kind of hit me. I was thinking about the, the boxing matches that happened um, on the UFC recently. And I, I was looking at those guys fighting. You know, when they start at their feet and they're in the ring and they start throwing punches back and forth, right? And, uh, you know, I started imagining what that's like to be in there. Yeah. And, um, you know, you start the fight and the last thing you want to do is to get knocked out within the first 10 seconds of the fight. Right. Yeah. So I think we start to think about covering up, making sure our hands are up, right. All those things. And we're dancing around, we're moving. Um, maybe we're throwing some jabs out into the air to uh, kind of feel out our opponent, gauge the distance. Sure. Um, but then we get deeper into the fight, and we realize we haven't really thrown a punch yet. Right. So maybe the guy across from us has sent out a couple that land on our glove. Maybe they land in our gut. But we've done our work. We've got our abs 
tightened up, yeah. especially yeah. mine. Yeah, especially your abs. Which I tend to be known for that. Right now. I wish you would wear a shirt when we do this, by the way. Hey, uh, they don't need to know this. Oh, that's right. Okay. This is like a Skype interview. Yeah. I'm wearing a tuxedo yeah. from the waist up. Yeah. <laughs> I, d- I hadn't realized how impressive your nipples But the are. opposite. I've got my abs out. That's, you do. <laughs> and your nipples, which are very impressive, by the way. Okay, anyway, so... So you're really talking about fighting off of your heels, right? I mean, we're talking That's about right. we're talking about working from a defensive posture before you realize that you are you are no longer in an offensive mindset. That's you're, right. You're All you're doing mindset. is dodging punches. Right. And you know what happens is when when you're always defending and always dodging punches, one of them's eventually going to land. Right. And so what we started talking about is throwing the punch, sure. taking the the initiative. To go out, even if it's a jab, just to keep their eyes closed. That's right. Because we know that that after that jab comes the overhand right. Right. And that's when you have a chance to make a different a difference and actually enter the fight in a meaningful way. Sure. And the, and I think there's a lot to that that idea that you you being in there or in that position. We're using the analogy of a of a fight. You actually deserve to be there. You have those tools just the same as your opponent has those tools. And your jab is just as valid. And it's going to be more powerful once you change that mindset from a defensive one to an offensive one. Even if you are still being defensive. Uh, We just joked about here uh, about this not long ago. And that is a lot of people, I think, believe that in that defensive mindset to their defense, they believe that they're a counterpuncher. But you ain't. You ain't. Right. You're, you're not a counterpuncher. You're just, you're just backing up on your heels. And what that does is it introduces this idea inside of your head that you start getting this self-deprecating uh, talk That's right. that says, I don't deserve to be here. I can't do this. I thought I knew all these things and now I don't know them because I'm under pressure. That's right. And I can't pull the trigger and I can't make this happen. I can't, I can't, I can't, I won't, I won't, I won't. And guess what happens? You don't. But you know what? A lot of people in that scenario, in that vein of thought, they become counterpunchers by nature. And I think we all know what they look like. Sure. What does a counterpuncher look like in real life? Um, well, I don't know. Why don't you... I mean, I don't know where you're headed with that. I, I would say they're, they're the guy you, you see at work or the girl that you interact with at work or um, you know, in your social circles where they're always planning for you to slip up. Oh, yeah, they're the people that steal my fucking ideas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're jacking your thunder. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And that's your thunder. It's not their thunder. Yeah, yeah, that was my thunder. Yeah. It's your thunder. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, and, and, and we see that played out in a lot of different ways, but you see people who they take on a defensive mindset as a person, and they're always looking for gaps in everybody else's armor Sure. To take advantage of. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So we're here to help you not be an ugly person. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, because I'll say <laughs> that it's brilliant. That was beautiful. I think the I think true too that to the nature of our of our conversations and, and so forth is not to not to bring anybody down, but to bring people up. And I and we should note that you know any time that we're criticizing a behavior from another human being, ninety nine percent of the time I have to say that I am guilty of it or have been guilty of it in the past. And that every opportunity to recognize in terms of your own self is an opportunity to change that behavior and try something else, right? Um, and so too, as to like real counterpunchers, the brilliance of a real counterpuncher is that they are on the offense while making you make a mistake to throw the punch that they want so they can counter off it and get you again, right? That's right. Or, or, or 
and the, yeah, that's and a the great night, point. right? So I mean, so their their mindset is not based on defense and waiting for the perfect place. They're going to create opportunities where no opportunities existed. That's right. So and that's I think that's a lot to do with what some of the things that we want to talk about here today as well, right? Yeah, it's true. So, so you know, it's funny. Um, as I was talking about that analogy, I can't help but to think, and we fall quickly onto what we know, which is jujitsu. Sure. And you know, if I could explain another place, I think that this manifests itself. Um, we were talking about when we roll with our friends. Um, so for all you out there who practice jujitsu, there's a split hair moment when you can escape a submission. Um, you know, let's say someone has mount and they're going to turn the corner for an arm bar and you know at that moment you have to move. Right. Because you know it's going to happen. You know it's going to happen. Right. There's no question. But sometimes we hesitate. We waited too long. We waited too long. And... I think this probably parlays into life in a good way. When we hesitate, we come to a point where we're not secure in our next movement. Right. You weren't secure in your first movement. You weren't secure in your first movement. <laughs> right? <laughs> but right. no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about being on defensive. When we are being attacked or when life comes at us... Let, like maybe we just take some of the negative away from this. Just in life in general, we can just be on a general defensive. And life is coming at us and we're watching it happen and we're watching it happen. And this is the point in time where we're saying that a lot of people, myself included, will hesitate. Right. And as we're trying to move into an offensive position where, you know, maybe we try to... Um, grab a hold of the day and for some reason we just can't get ahead of ourselves right we can't get caught up with um the flow of the day or sure. the workload that's going on um this might be where our thought of 6 a.m comes from okay yeah of course it's a good way to start the day right but i mean right. but yeah you're you're in reference to you know when you and I, I'm thinking this alluding to the idea of, of this all starts with yourself again. We touched on this in the first episode. This is where a lot of the, the, the genesis of this came from. Is that, is that what we're talking about here, guys, is the, is the opportunity for you to recognize in the moment that you know, one good turn deserves another, right? So if you start your, your day off mm -hmm. in the mindset of being overwhelmed, you're going to continue to make decisions that are based on this defensive mindset. Before long, you're, you're no longer taking responsibility for fixing this problem. You're blaming everybody else for it. Right? Right. Whether it's your boss or your spouse or your asshole neighbor or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know your dog. Like, it's always thinking neighbors. Yeah, I know. My neighbors. I tell you what. I, you, you can't. And all of a sudden, it's, it's, it's everybody. And then what happens there? What happens there is that you, you actually, these are things that you can't do anything about. So you're like, well, I'm just... This is circumstantial. This is where I am in life, I guess. Nobody loves me, you know? Like yes. And it, it, is, it is terrible because you'll just continue to make those types of decisions. So let's go back to, let's go back to 6 a.m. Let's talk about where you're headed with that. Like, so you're entering, you know, you're starting your day with this. Yeah. Mindset. You know, something you said, Jeff, before that I thought was pretty great. Um, great piece of insight. So when we go 6 a.m., 
we're talking about not necessarily a time, but it's a mindset. Right. Right? So what we're, what you said, and I, I'm probably going to duff it up. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and screw it up. <laughs> but you said, go out and take charge. Or have a say. Yeah, you have to have a say. Right? So instead of letting things happen to you, put a stake in the ground and have a say that this is the way the day is going to go. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the, the point of that is that if, and I talk, I talk to my kids a lot about this, and that is if your mind is powerful enough to take a perfectly good day and ruin it because of your crappy attitude, then does that not mean that your, uh, your positive mindset could make a terrible day good or just keep the day good? Of course it does. But why are we so prone to just letting it fall back to you know, your, your pessimistic bent? And don't get me wrong, guys. I'm, I'm a true pessimist. Right now, one, right? Could, one could argue that I'm always prepared for the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, but I'm but I'm a pessimist by nature. It's part of like how I was raised. Like genetically, I'm predisposed to being a pessimist. So it is a real it's a real struggle for me to to remain optimistic. So I like to consider myself a uh, a, a perverse optimist. Right. Nice. And so That's a good word. Yeah, it's always it's always twisted in some sort of like you know detrimental <laughs> fate of humanity or myself or my fit. but anyway, but I try to remain in that space, right? So it's still bent on making uh, making taking a, a defensive posture and making it an offensive, right? Yeah. And so I agree. So six a.m. is it becomes a lifestyle and a lifestyle, and I, and I hate the word lifestyle because I don't want to sound like you know you can go get a cup of six a.m. And or start popping six right. a.m. pills, and all of a sudden your life changes. Do you know what I like the best about um, saying six a.m. is not a lifestyle, or that lifestyle being a, a poor choice of words? Sure. Is do you know the one thing I love the most, and we've seen this happen numerous times, but people who come to morning class, and this happens at night class too, Absolutely. because night class is morning class for a lot of people. It, it, it just so happens that you and I can't be as consistent in the evenings. But you have the person who shows up regularly, yeah. they disappear for a short time, they come back and they say, I'm getting things back in order. This is my statement, yeah. I'm starting off fresh, I'll see you next class. Right. Five, six classes go by, they've been perfect attendance, and then they fall off again. Right. Maybe a few weeks later, they come back in and they have the same statement of purpose. And I... I love it because they're not laying down and taking it. That's right. They're That's not right. just going to lay down and die. Yeah. Do I, should I, should I, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything that might like change the, the, because if, if, if our, if our students, for instance, are listening to this and they, uh, they come into class because they're afraid that we'll hate their guts if they don't, I don't want to ruin that. But we do. I want them to, I want them to come into class solely based on fear. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. I don't. So, we, we absolutely, by the way, will hate you if you don't show up. That's right. Absolutely hate you. But we have a short memory. <laughs> I have an absolutely terrible short-term memory. I'll, I'll forget completely. <laughs> what I wanted to say to this point that you just made was really good, and that is is that for you guys that come in consistently, that are there all the time, that never miss, like you you just we take that for granted. We, we expect you to be there. Right, yeah. the same way that hopefully you expect us to be there, and for the people that that are that are concerned that sometimes they're there and sometimes they're not, that we that we give a shit yeah. is insane. We love you guys. We love you guys for the fact that you that you are there sometimes and sometimes you're not, and that you can continue to recommit to like being in to class because every 
step you make in that direction is just moving the ball forward one yard. That's all you got to do. But it's a great example of what we can, can and cannot do in life. So first things first, optimists are at the same disadvantage to reality, which is just by having a good attitude doesn't make your day go better. Right. Right. Yes. Oh, yeah. So this it's it's the yes. way we look at things, preach, and how we actually respond when those things happen, that we either let it knock us down, or we get back up. Right. And um, I think that is the thing I'm trying to say when people come back in and they put a new stake in the ground and they say, "I'm working at it again." Nobody knows what happens in life, and this happens in the office too. Or it happens at school, or it happens with your friend group. You go and you do this thing all the time, and sometimes people fall off. Sometimes they're there. That's right. But what you're, you may not know is what people are dealing with in the meantime. What's held them out? Right. Is it a physical injury? Is it an emotional struggle they're going through? And I think the exciting thing is, is that when the fog does lift. And you can finally get a breath. I used to use the analogy all the time, uh, you know, and I, I personally struggle with anxiety okay. and energy levels and, you know, various things. And I said, one of the things, I feel like I'm treading water in the deep end of the pool. Okay. Okay, so imagine yourself, you're treading water. All things are good. You've, you've kind of been able to keep your head above water. Your muscles might get a little tired, but you can keep it up. Now I want you to imagine that there's somebody trying to tell you something from the side of the pool and explain to you something in detail that you need to remember. And then I want you to imagine that all your friends are around you, floating in the pool with you, splashing you in the face. Okay? So, yeah. Sometimes that, when that stuff all goes for a pause and you have time to catch your breath and see the world around you, that's when I think we need to make that stake in the ground and say, We do. All right, I'm going to change things. I'm going to make things, I'm going to put processes in place that are going to be firm and I'm going to abide by those. And this is going to be my strategy for success. Right. And what in the strategy, so that we're, so that we're painting an accurate picture here, because what we're talking about is again going back to having a defensive mindset where you are stuck. And what you feel at that time is an overwhelming set of circumstances, right? There's, you know, uh, things aren't working the way that you want to. You would maybe start it out with the right mindset, right? The right yeah. idea. But then you met adversity in one form or another, whether it's on the mat, whether it's in your daily life or your job, your kids, your wife, your husband, uh, so on and so forth. And all of a sudden you start feeling like the world's out to get you. And your defensive <laughs> mindset says, I can't do this. Then your defensive mindset says, this isn't your fault. This is somebody else's fault. And, yeah. and then you were, you were relegated to the, to the world of doing nothing, to moving this nowhere. And putting that stake in the ground that you're talking about uh, speaks to a very, very... This is, in practical terms, this is something that everybody can implement without any additional skill set, without any additional knowledge or, anything, or, or even new perspectives on this, is when you put that stake in the ground, what you're saying is, I am willing to work. I'm willing to work and I'm willing to, to, to try. Yeah. And that's really all that matters. And, and uh, I wanted to touch on this 
real quick because you had brought this up and I, I think it's important is that I don't know what experience you've had with, uh, you know, positive self-help and motivational this and motivational that. I, I will speak out loud and take criticism for it if I can, but it's all bullshit, guys. It's all, <laughs> it's all a lie, okay? This, the, idea of, the idea of motivating somebody is to provide a motive, right? So that means you're in some way you're to be providing them with a tool or a skill set that they can take onto the world. But just fluffing your feathers and uh, tickling your balls doesn't make you automatically make the world a better place, right? Right. Or if it does, it's only for the moment. It doesn't actually apply to actually getting out into the world and, and changing your habits and, and thus, you know, your overall outlook in life. So when we're in these positions where we're, we're overwhelmed and we don't seem, we can't seem to get our heads clear, just taking that step forward into an offensive mindset allows you to access maybe some of the tools you didn't even realize you had. But more importantly, just like the jab you're talking about at the beginning of the podcast, is it's just keeping the problem at bay. It's making the type of space that you want to create so that you can go on the offense. The difference between those that make it and those that don't is simply the willingness to keep fucking working. That's right. Just keep going. Just keep going. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a huge success or if it worked out so well. But when you run into a problem... It's your job to figure out a way over it, under it, or around it. You don't just you don't just sit there and, and let it happen. Yeah. So let's pick apart the self help thing a bit. Oh, great! Let's do that. Um, because I'm really critical of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very. I have sh- opinions. <laughs> let's shoot some holes in sure, it. Sure, go ahead. Go ahead. And and you 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 guys might find this also in terms of jujitsu as well oh my goodness you're gonna find ever i know exactly where you're going with this go ahead <laughs> so let's let's have a shout out to all you youtube black belts yeah youtube black belts and experts experts, experts in everything not just not just black belts in jujitsu i mean black belts in everything in everything everything so let's take you guys are amazing let's take the woo out of the black belt. Yeah, let's take the woo of the black belt and put the woo back in the tang, right? Cause That's Wu-Tang. right. That's right. Because they're the clan. Yeah, they are the clan. Wu-Tang forever. Shout out to so. Wu-Tang. Sorry, go ahead. So, <laughs> so a black belt is the start of your jiu-jitsu career. Right. It's like being a doctor. You're practicing up until you get that degree... You're practicing learning. You're practicing being a student. And when you get that degree, you become a professional student. Right, professional student. I like that one. Yeah. Right? Right. And so we have a lot of people who will just bathe themselves in YouTube. And really what they're looking for, and my, I'll, I'll contend what they're looking for is sure, go for it. inspiration. And I think inspiration is a cheap substitute for hard work and enjoying the success. That's great. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. A fair statement? Yeah, fair statement. I won't argue with that one. And what I mean by that is, is we can watch other people's success and maybe even emulate it and look like it. But at the end of the day, it will never be your success. Your success will only come when you put the stake in the ground, you set up a strategy for success, for hard work, and then you achieve that, you can look back and say, that was worth it. I'm inspired to do it again. Right, but you inspired yourself. You inspired yourself. That's right, and that's the most important part. So I think self-help, a lot of times, 
falls short because they are offering inspiration in terms of you alone are responsible for your success, which you are, but you alone have already achieved it, so go forth and conquer. Yeah, yeah, and you're but totally the, worthy of it. It's the opposite. It's go forth and conquer, and now you have the success, and you should be inspired at that point. Right, right, right. And so it's about loving that process, right? You should have been inspired by the fact that you you yourself took the took the uh, the initiative to to start moving forward and start making decisions. I cannot tell you, and it, and for those of you that have succeeded in in particular components or aspects of your life, you can you probably take note of this, especially if you're somebody with a with a with a, uh, a heavy work ethic, right? That you'll notice that you think that everybody else is like that too, and then you wonder why things aren't working the way that they should be, and that's because people aren't like that. The, the majority of folks aren't, and whether it's because of their because of their ego or because of their fear or because of you know they they just don't want to start the process. They just don't operate on that same level. But those of you that have already that have already figured this out, it is like the secret to success. And don't put your don't idolize or put your faith in the the quote unquote expert. Right. Or compare yourself to them. We talked a little bit about this in this in our first episode as well. Stop comparing yourself to others. Right? Yeah. You you do the work and then nobody can take that away from you. That's right. The work that you did, your successes, your failures, they're all yours. And they're all yours for you to take and to and to make the world the, uh, the way that you want it. And we're fortunate. We live we live in a free nation. We're we're fortunate that uh, that in a lot of ways there are privileges and circumstances that maybe others don't have, but but if you are in those circumstances, you better damn well take advantage of it. That's right. Right? That's right. <laughs> I mean, my my folks didn't like give things up for their life so that I could so that I could not take advantage of this stuff and, and get it done. You know, the people that I, that have influenced me and and have provided for me in in ways that. Um, the, I, I think that's the, the, that's what they wanted. They wanted for me to go. And even though they don't always agree, we're not always going to agree on where we're going or how we're getting there. They do agree that we should go somewhere though. That's right. That's right. So, so yeah. So speaking to the, to the experts, for those that are, that are, that are, you, there is a, def, a definitive time in which you've achieved a certain level of expertise that you could be called an expert. But if you're the person that's running around saying you're the expert, you're not. You know, you're a blowhard. <laughs> and I think worse yet, worse yet is that you've, you've reached a point where you're no longer, you've decided that I'm resting my feet on this. I don't need to learn anymore. And, and I don't give it. If you're not learning, you're losing. And that's all there is to it. But yeah. for, for, so it's okay to acknowledge somebody as an expert. You know, it's okay to acknowledge that person as that's somebody that's got the skill sets and, and the knowledge that you wish to have. And you can ask them questions, pick their brains, test things out on them and so forth. But if they're the and and if they're if they're the the right type of person, they're going to they're willing to learn with you. That's right. And grow with you. Yeah. And if they're you know and if they're just patting you on the head and telling you that someday you're going to be like them if you just keep supporting them. Right. You know you're going the wrong way. Right. <laughs> and so what we're talking about what we're talking about in the in, in all of this is your positive mental attitude, right? Yeah. Your PMA. And some of you people might have heard this through like, again, self-help books and so forth, but I'll tell you where it came from for me. Do you want to hear this story? Sure. PMA comes from, is the acronym for positive, men, positive mental attitude. And it came for me as a, as a kid, 
as a teenager in the New York New York City hardcore movement. Okay. Okay. And New York City hardcore, like that was so it was a derivative of punk rock, and it was about it was about everybody coming together, having a positive mental attitude. And only it was through force, right? Okay. You know, and there was a lot to that movement in that, it, you know, it, there's subgenres in there too, like the straight edge movement, so no drugs, no drinking, you know. Um, well, what was going on during but, that time that, that would have called for such a movement? I, you know, it, it's, it, it's hard for me to say from my perspective because where I, you know, where I started off, you know, listening to um, as a kid, um, so I have a weird... And I don't want to. I don't want to digress too much, but I will say that I have a, a weird relationship with music, okay? uh-huh. which started when I was in third grade. Um, really, like actually listening to my own kind of music. I was first time I met my first best friend. His name was John Mills, and so John, if you're listening to this, I hope you're doing well. That a boy, John. That way, get him, John. And John was from Detroit, Michigan, and John said in Detroit, uh, we listen to rap. Now I grew up on a horse farm. Okay. Uh-huh. And in central Pennsylvania. I mean, essentially, it was on a street with houses, but it was in the middle of a horse farm. And so I'd never heard of rap music before. Well, it totally changed everything. Now, the, the, at the time, the rap music that was accessible, it was, all about, it was all about positivity. It was all about overcoming poverty and overcoming inner city, you know, circumstances that I wasn't familiar with. Right. Right, that I had no connection to. But there was pieces of it that it really, like, connected with me. But it was, again, based on this this model of positive mental attitude about getting, doing something with the skill sets that you have and making something of yourself and going out and then also having a say, right? Right. And so when I got, when I got a little bit older and I was, and still a big fan of, of hip hop and, uh, and so forth. But, uh, I saw that there's, I became attracted to, to punk rock and I saw that there was a connection that it was the same the way that I saw that it was the same with the, the blues before like hip hop and, right. and, and old rock and roll and country, all this music was the same. It were, there were street kids about the singing about the street, but they were all talking about either heartache <laughs> or the hard, changing, life. the hard life or changing their circumstances. Sure. Right. It was all the same stuff and hardcore came out of that too. Right. And it was about, but it was, that one was more about bringing everybody together to do it together. Right. right? And so your pot, it was, it was like you you were gonna run into some shit. You're gonna see it, right? But with a positive mental attitude, we will overcome. And boy, was it empowering. And until this day, if if I listen to this stuff, like I can I can hear it. And it wasn't about and it wasn't like pie in the sky hope, right? It wasn't right. about things that were unobtainable. It was about like getting up and putting your shoes on in the morning, right? Yeah. That's not literally what it was about. But it was <laughs> about but it was about taking that step forward and making even a positive, a small positive change in your life just for the day, just for that morning, meant that you could do it again and replicate it. Right. And do it for others and replicate it. And then they could do it for themselves and replicate it. Right? And before long, we have people that think and understand that they, it, within themselves, they could do this. End of rant, man. I'm sorry. I love I'm it. Well, you know what? That, that's a great segue into putting the woo back into the black belt. Great. Let's talk. Yeah, hit me with that. So... You know, we take it out of the black belt and, and creating this scenario where these guys are the most amazing people on the planet by virtue of them wearing a black belt on the mat. But you're very, uh, you're very knowledgeable about my feelings about certain black belts, none that are in our school, that have Thankfully, yeah. given up. They've learned as much as they'll ever learn, and that's, that's it. And that's a very frustrating person to deal with. Sure. But 
what you'll find at the black belts at our school, at least, and, I'm, and at a lot of the other ones that I've come across, the ones you should be afraid of are the ones who continue to practice their craft. Right. And that is an exciting thing to see. So when you, and, and by the way, this has been happening with us lately, that the students that we're working with, that we get the privilege to wrestle with every day, as, as, as we're noticing their skills increases, we're also starting to work a lot harder in order to stay ahead of that. Yeah, I'm panicking, actually. And, and to be able to teach it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So how are you able to teach two people who are progressing underneath you? And one way to do that is to take a defensive posture. Right. To say, you know what, I know everything. Continue to follow me and I'll show you the way to go. Which is a terrible model. Sure. Because what it does is that keeps people down. Exactly. In, in the workplace, you know what, come to me with everything. If you come to me with everything, I'll make sure it gets to the right person. <laughs> yeah, sure, I'll you make sure. <laughs> sure you will. But, but what they're doing yeah, is they're, they're funneling everything through themselves. And right. they're, they're keeping uh, a governor on the engine, so to speak, sure. so that it doesn't outpace their ability to grow. But what I like to see and be very afraid of the black belt or the person in your office or the person at school who's pushing the envelope who's always driving themselves further. Yeah. Which, by the way, Jeff Beck, I don't know if you've noticed, but every time you embark on something new, there's always someone there to say, ah, can you really handle that? Is this something sure. you should be doing? Oh, yeah. You know, how's your energy level? Right. Uh, the family okay? I mean, is there enough time for your family currently? Mm -hmm. uh, should you rest? And I started practicing what we're talking about today by saying... No, I need more. Yeah. I need do. more. Yes, I need rest. Yes, there's a time for everything. Sure. But I want it to be in balance. I want it to be at the right time. Uh, I, want, I want to make sure that I'm not shorting anything I'm currently doing. Right. And part of it is, is I, I'm starting to enjoy the process. Yeah. Yeah, and, exactly. And the process of working hard there's a lot of joy in there, you know, and, and maybe you can talk to that. You've, you've gone through the cycle of being belted a few times and you get to each of those, um, you know, levels where they put a new belt on you and, and you move up. Was there more joy in working up to that point or in that final moment itself? Okay. So, so two things. One is real quick. I want to say that, uh, Hey kids, this is a message from your uncle Jeff. There's 24 hours in a day. You should be working 23 of them. <laughs> you should do it. Work 23 hours a day. You get an hour, so you'll be fine. No, I agree with you in terms of in terms of process and in terms of taking on more and doing more. Like the things that don't work will fall away. Like you're you're you'll be able to shed them, but you've got to keep trying, keep plugging away. You'll find what works and what doesn't. Rest is important. I agree. Nutrition is important. Spending time with your family is important. I prioritize everything mm. everything in my life is important 
and the, the and I try it out and if it's not important, it doesn't work out, it just falls away. I don't have to quit it. I don't have to stop it. I don't have to make a big speech about it. I just stop doing it. Right. Just like if you're a person that doesn't connect with me on a, you know, that's providing, a, you know, a positive environment for me to work in or to, or to play in or to, you know, whatever, then I just stop talking to you. I don't make a big deal about it. I don't have to write a rant on Facebook about what an asshole you are. I just walk away. I just or break leave. up with everybody. I don't have to break public. up with everybody. That's right. I don't have to break up with everyone. Right. Exactly. Uh, oh, Jeff Beck's relationship status is... <laughs> Neutral. Neutral. Yeah. No, I just, I just leave. I don't, I don't have to deal with this. I move, it just falls away on its own and I get to focus on those things. Now, in terms of specifically jujitsu, it was always the process. I actually don't... I, I, it, don't get me wrong. I care a great deal about the fact that, that I, I like to think that I have a brown belt and that I'm a legitimate brown belt, right? That it right. wasn't one that like... I didn't pay for it. Well, I paid for it, but just not. I didn't pay somebody to get my own <laughs> belt, except for my academy, um, and and I paid in you know years and time and blood and sweat and all that other stuff um, and diarrhea. And <laughs> but the but my brown belt, my the the actual belting was was great, but it wasn't what I enjoyed the most. Right. Not even close. And I've and I've always said this, and I and I'll say it and I'll say it again with pride, and that is is that is I. I love and respect my academy. I love and respect my instructors and my students and and my training partners. Like more than they'll they'll know, right? They just won't figure it out. But my loyalty lies in jujitsu. My loyalty lies in the process of learning jujitsu, right? Right. That's it. And so no matter if I was wearing a belt or not, or I have an academy to train in or not, like I'm going to still study and train in jujitsu. Which you know we had a great path laid before us by. Greg, um, you know, one of the black belts at our academy, who... Who's that, Greg Anderson? Yeah. Greg Anderson? The you know the guy? Belt? I know him. Yeah, I know. I've heard of him. You've heard of him once I've or heard twice? Of him once or twice, yeah. 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 You know, he's... <laughs> <laughs> well, if you haven't, I'll, I'll introduce you to him the yeah. next time we're in Go class, because I know you're, you're BSing me right now. Yeah. You haven't seen him. I don't know him. He's I actually know. a myth. He is a myth. But Greg, you know... And and I don't know the the full history, but I, I do know that he started in a garage. He started with buddies, mm-hmm. you know, just making it happen every day. And and I, I have a feeling that most people at the school would do the same thing because we're just a bunch of crazies. Yeah, yeah. you know, we we just enjoy doing that. You can get a belt and never roll again. Sure, you could. Or you could roll all the time and never have a belt. Right. And which would you choose? Right. I'd just roll all the time. I'd roll all the time. Yeah. But then, you know, and this ties directly again back to this, you know, um, you know the, this mentality thing. The idea that, that you, if you have your faculties, if you have your, you wake up in the morning and everything's functioning, you know, physically, that you have now the ability to take that step forward, right? Yeah. To walk out your front door or down the stairs or out of bed, whatever you've got to do. Right, and it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to come with fireworks or or huge fanfare. You just get up and go. Just get up and move. All right, it's time to go, and you're just gonna take one step at a time because one step starts a revolution, my friend. That's one right. One step starts a revolution. So get moving. Get get going to what you want to do and do it now. Right. There's 24 yeah. hours in a day, and that sets your mind in a positive mental attitude. It also sets your mindset towards an offensive. Uh, offensive maneuvers for your life, right? You start solving problems that you didn't think 
you can solve. And also, you forget about all this other bullshit, like I'm going to get my belt, or I'm going to get the next promotion at work, or I'm going to make a million dollars. And Because maybe, <laughs> maybe you will, but who cares? Well, you know what my biggest fear is? Is that you work, and maybe, maybe this is something I, I need to explore more, but the idea of setting goals. You know, we all would benefit from being good goal setters. I would agree. And, uh, you know, goal setting is, I believe, a skill that we hone over time. Sure. Uh, and setting realistic goals and setting goals that aren't too low, that you actually have to work towards. That's key, yep. Um, but in terms of goal setting, I've, I've always struggled with the idea that you set a goal and you work towards the goal and maybe you never achieve it but you forgot to enjoy the process of getting there. Your, your focus has been on the goal the whole time. Sure. And you look back and you're like, I totally forgot to have fun. <laughs> yeah, I missed it, right? I'm an idiot. Yeah, you're an idiot. Yeah. I'm an idiot. You, you, I, I, I'm afraid to look back and say I forgot to enjoy what I was doing. My kids, I can't tell you how many times I look back at the older two, especially, and I think I was young when I had them, uh, when I had them, my wife had them. She only, she's the only one who has the the right to say <laughs> that's true. Anybody had them. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, when when our kids came along, I was very young, and when I look back at that, I was spending so much time building a career, and fulfilling the ideals of what I was sold coming out of college, which were you know buy a house, get a job. The American dream, picket fence. Yeah, it was your blah, it was your blah, expectations, blah. right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so I worked all this time to achieve some semblance of that, only to look back and say, "But I don't remember the things that were important, or I breezed through those." You or you weren't there. I wasn't there. I rushed through it. Sure. I pushed those things to us to the side because that. There wasn't enough time for that to express itself. You know, we, you know, I, I don't know how many times um, I show up at a kid's game and I'm thinking about what I need to do later that evening right. and I forget just to stop and watch their game. Yeah. You got to be, yeah, you have to focus on being in the moment. And honestly, man, I've done the same thing. That's why I had four kids because I knew by the fourth one, I would have had it figured out. The rest of them are all fucked up, but the, the fourth one is going to be perfect. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and it is trial and error, but you know, you know, we're, we're, we're you know, what we've just discovered, what we're talking about in these, and uh, throughout this this process is that by setting your mind on that, like being in that moment, right? The 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 future hasn't happened yet, and the past, who gives a shit? It's already happened. So yeah. so, uh, and I, and I think too, like when we. And I, and I want to make a note of that when we talk about like learning and school and all these other things, you, it's really just history. That's what you're learning. Sure. You're learning history. But what you're making is the future, but you're doing it right now. So there's no reason to be in either, in either sphere. You should be here in the moment. Do it, do it now. You want, to, you want to do the work, do it now. And here's the best part. I find that like the time that, that the negative self-talk and the self-loathing and the self-deprecating behavior happens when I'm by myself alone, not doing anything, right? Yeah. And the quickest way to stopping that is to get to work. Because when I'm working, when I'm doing things, moving myself towards a particular goal, I don't have time for that shit. 
I just can't even, I don't have time to think about it. So you just keep, keep moving in that direction. That's what I think. So, well, I agree with that. I think that's exactly what I'm saying, that it gives me so much joy when people come through the door that we haven't seen for a while. Talk about Ash. Yeah, I mean, he came. Uh, we have a, we have a buddy of ours, uh, Robert Ashkins, who uh, was lovingly known as Ashu. Started at six a.m. Uh, he took a hiatus from six a.m. and he came back here just recently to six a.m. And he, I think he struggled uh, with similar with similar thoughts, similar concerns over his. You know, he, he uh, started as a white belt. And he's he's a newly minted blue belt. I say newly, relatively. You know, he's 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 a blue belt and um, and legitimately a blue belt. And he, uh, meeting new people, I think his concerns were that, uh, meeting new white belts in particular, that his performance wouldn't meet the expectations of that white belt as he is a blue belt. But that was self-imposed. That was in his head. Right. Right. And so, and so like you default to playing a defensive game because you don't want to give anything up. But the truth of the matter is, is yes, Robert, you are a blue belt. And yes, you are worthy of, of, <laughs> of that blue belt. And yes, you're going to get tapped by people. And yes, like you... You should go with confidence. You have that. You have that skill set. That's one of the great. I say one of the best parts of our academy. If we can speak to our academy at Harrisburg Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Judo, uh, kids eat for free. I'm just kidding. It's not free at all. Don't <laughs> don't bring your kids there for free. But but black and brown belts but, do eat white belts. For yeah, free. we for free. That's right. Um, Serve them up regular. Yeah, we we do a really good job of making sure people are legit. Like so, if you get that belt, guys, you you've earned it. You know. Yeah. So, and I, it's nice to see him come in. And say, guys, I'm back. Yeah. I think it, uh, if I may quote you, Ash, I'm the laziest person there ever was. And I give a new definition to laziness. Yeah, outside of the gym, he said. Outside of the gym. Yeah. And uh, so for that person to come in, put a stake in the ground and say, I'm going to come back in, guys. I'm here. I'm a 6 a.m. or again. Yeah. Was him saying, I am going to take an offensive position that's right i'm not going to sit back and hope that the time's right to get back to the gym i'm not going to hope i feel better or that uh it's cricking my neck just needs to work itself out or maybe i'll run a little bit first so my cardio's in place what he did was i'm just gonna show up i'm gonna throw a jab yep i'm gonna throw a jab and he's gonna throw a jab and if he keeps throwing these jabs eventually the right's gonna land and he's already there. I mean, he's already there. He's already contradicted his own laziness by uh, by stepping up and, and doing what what he wanted to do, not through any other, not through any of these. We didn't send him any text messages. We're like, hey Ash, where you been? We miss you. You know, none of that, none of that bullshit. He just decided it was time to go, and that brings us full circle, man. I think we're here at the end of another another episode. Yeah. So um, thank you all again for tuning in to the first one. We hope you enjoy this one. And we've got a lot more to come. I, I Well, yeah, we really do. We do really do. And uh, I think uh, you said something about uh, free nachos on, on Monday morning, tomorrow morning, or Wednesday morning. You're bringing in nachos? It's nacho cake. Okay, nacho cake. Great. Yeah. Terrific. Yeah, so if you try to touch it, I'll kill you because it's nacho cake. <laughs> and with that, we're out. So you all take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. 
Hey everybody, this is uh, this is Jeff Beck, uh, co-host of the 6 a.m. podcast, and this is just a little bonus uh, material for you here. And I just want to give everybody some uh, some keen advice. Uh, we record our episodes here in uh, Mr. Galino's home. It's a lovely place, and I really appreciate him uh, having me out to do this every every week. Um, but here's some advice for you guys: If you have to take a shit, don't do it with somebody that's got a septic tank. And I'll tell you why: because they have the cheapest toilet paper in their bathroom. It's like <laughs> It's, they don't have the fluffy stuff that like caresses your behind. What happens is they have this like super thin, you know, wafery paper that your finger goes right through it and into your own butthole. And I want to tell you, I just wanted to complain about that. And that's it. And this is it. This is episode two signing off. See you guys later. Peace.